Good evening. You are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your ally, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And tonight, the indie ciders of big, sexy Harry Broadhurst. Yes, sir. And the heartbreak kid, the aforementioned Mark Radledge, bring you Effie's Big Gay Brunch from Dallas, Texas, in the year of our Lord, 2022. But that's not all, because I have been dying, Harry Broadhurst, just dying to watch and talk about no Peace Underground's Effie's Fear the Gay Agenda. The Last Daddy Standing. Paro versus Effie. So we're going to talk about that event as well. I am excited, as you can tell. Why are you holding your head? We're like literally a minute and 30 seconds into this. I just, I have I have a funny feeling. These, these, these for the culture, these big gay brunch, these... <laughs> Uh, fear the gay agenda shows. Somebody's getting canceled. <laughs> not, not I. I am an ally of the community, sir. I am as well. But oh, couple <laughs> of these match, couple of these matches were difficult at best. I have been explaining both of these shows to a lot of people who don't follow wrestling, and it's it's a lot. It's a lot to just explain how GCW works. It's a lot to explain. Like I'm like, oh, I'm going to review Effie's Big Gay Brunch. That's a lot of words I don't understand, Mark Radledge. Can you explain them to me? And then I have to explain who Effie is. I have to explain what Game Changer Wrestling is, the collective, what they're doing over WrestleMania weekend, how there's not a tremendous amount of LGBTQ representation at the higher echelons of professional wrestling. And so they created the showcase event. But who the hell saw it? <laughs> and so, you know, things like that. So, um, but I'm excited. I'm I'm happy to be here. Are you happy to be here, big sexy? Big, you look quizzical. You look like you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm just I'm I'm curious as to how this is going to go because, and especially when we get to for for the culture, because I feel like two white guys talking about a specifically black exploitation show is going to end poorly. Have you not seen all the uh, Black History Month shows I did with Jason Teasley? In the month of I'd, February. I'd like to think I'm a little bit higher brow than Jason or than Jason. You're not. Um, all right, let's get into yes, sir. I will say this much. You know what these shows, yeah. if you if you need an easy way to explain these shows to people, sure. It's queer, it's queer eye for the wrestling guy. <laughs> queer eye for the wrestling guy, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you the first time I watched a gay brunch, have you now have you ever seen any of the previous three gay brunches? Uh, one of them actually. Here, here's a rainbow for everybody at home. Terrific. Um, um, I, I was not. I didn't know what to expect because the first time I, had, the the first time I had seen an, even an advertisement for a gay brunch was I think prior to the WrestleMania that was supposed to take place in Tampa, which was 20, uh, 20. 2020. Yeah, and that and that got canceled because you know I got canceled. Um, and but they ended up doing one when when GCW came back, and. <laughs> 
Hang on. Liz has joined us. Hi, Liz. Your best buddy, Liz, is here, and she agrees with you. Two white guys discussing that topic. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, mm-hmm is right. Anyway, um, but when they, when GCW came back, like, the, over the summer, as they were just starting to do outdoor events, and they could do uh, crowds as long as people were six feet apart, masked, and all of that, they ended up doing a gay brunch. And I checked it out, and I, I didn't know... What was that? The... In- the Indianapolis Collective, correct? I believe so, yes. Yeah. And I really thought, like, when I, when I first saw the Tampa advertisement, like, they were really going to doll it up. Like, there was going to be mimosas and fancy tablecloths and hello, Liz. And, um, you know, I, I thought there would be just like, flags everywhere. And I remember the Indianapolis show being really drab looking. It looked like every other collective show. It was, you know, they were, they were shooting in a barn. And <laughs> the only thing that really made Rodeo it... Rodeo Center. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the only thing that really made it stand out uh, from anything else was how sexual it was, which I did not expect because just because you're having a big gay brunch does not, you know, mean you're going to be overtly sexual. It's to me, I just thought it would be a showcase of known independent LGBTQ wrestlers. What I liked about this one um, was a it was less sexualized than the one with Marco Stunt, where he was being beaten with a dildo, uh, but also. Fair. But also, the struggles went out of his way to talk about uh, pronouns and how to approach people and, you know, really wanting to get this community to be accepted by people throughout, at the very least, the pro wrestling community, which I, which I liked. And um, I don't know how much of that was done with the previous three. Um, That's actually something that KG is usually pretty good about. I will say this much. And his... His broadcast colleague on this particular show, uh, Val, I forget her last name. Um, she was good. She was really, really good. Yeah. Um, I She also did ring announcing for a couple of matches as well, which uh, mm-hmm. stood out. Um, the other ring announcer, I will make it well known. I am not a fan of J-Rose. I don't think he's that good. <laughs> that being said, I think he works for a show such as this. Even if he's not the best gay ring announcer in wrestling, everybody knows that's Larry Legend. Uh, yes. I actually thought that was Larry Legend for a second, it, but no, it, it was not. Jay Rose. Uh, uh, Rose. All right. Well, I'm getting all the names wrong tonight because Harry also made made sure to correct me. It was not the struggles this time. It was Kevin Gill. But either way, um, I always thought the, the struggles is the one that always does the GCW events, but it doesn't matter. There was a struggles. lot of them this weekend. Struggles is ICW. Gill is GCW. Oh, okay. I get these guys all confused. That's why I have you here, Harry, to correct me incessantly. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's what I do. But, uh, you know, I, 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 if I could be serious just for a moment, uh, I really I get Thanks, a kick Storm. out of Effie. I get a kick out of Effie. I enjoy his wrestling. I've enjoyed these events. I think I've seen almost all of them at this point. And uh, I was, and, and I think this is the best one yet. But, I, but again, I think this was the best one yet because it focused more on the wrestling and not on let's see how far we can push the envelope and sort of Venn diagram um, sexuality with, you know, well, you know, there were ahead. a couple of matches that pushed there were a couple of matches that pushed that boundary on the show. And we'll get to those. Not but nearly I do, as badly as that first one. No, and I agree with that. And one mm-hmm. of the other things, too, that I think we need to talk about, too, is the ability to. God, that green screen's gonna screw me up with your cup, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. It like disappears into the fan base in the background. It's weird. That's anyway, so do I see. 
anyways, back to it though. Um, uh, the selection of music that I think permeates independent wrestling still, I think, is something that helps these shows stand out too. And the fact mm-hmm. that you get more iconic theme songs rather than just having like the marquee shows like ROH and AEW that kind of default to generic music. Right. Um, Effie has one of the most recognizable theme songs in independent wrestling now because he uses Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. He does. He has a very, he, it's almost Sandman esque. Everyone it sings, is. you know, it's, it's like, if you're, I, I don't know how much boxing you watch. I know you're a big sports guy and you don't watch movies or whatever, but, I, but every time there's a main event in British boxing, they play Sweet Caroline every single time. And the crowd gets it, super into it. That's like a Boston Red Sox thing for the longest time too. In the seventh mm-hmm. inning, they would play Sweet Caroline and then you would get the bump. I don't know if you remember the movie Fever Pitch I with Jimmy, with Jimmy Fallon and uh, Drew, I think it was Drew Barrymore. Yeah, that they parody that on the road to the Red Sox winning the World Series back in like I think it was 04 or something. Mm. All right, so let's get into Effie's Game Changer Wrestling, Effie's Big Gay Brunch 2022, which took place on April 2nd, the weekend of WrestleMania in Dallas, Texas. Uh, with the- a with a noon local 1 p.m. Eastern start time. It went head-to-head with NXT takeovers or NXT stand and deliver on Saturday. You know, I, I we we did the live stream of that, and, and, I, and upon reflection, I'm wondering how many more how many more views we would have gotten had I chosen to do Effie's Big Gay Brunch instead and review NXT at a later date because uh, my like the Ring of Honor numbers I got were huge by comparison, and then NXT was kind of meh. So I'm curious to see if, like, if you go, like, the weirder and more obscure you go in wrestling, the more people will tune in. And not to mention, I think there's so many different people trying to get a cut of that WWE market by doing the live stream coverages, too. Right. That your numbers are going to be hurt, whereas you focus on more of a niche independent market, you're more likely to hit a demographic that is maybe frustrated and or turned off from the WWE product. Well, then, you know what's going to happen next year is I'm going to make you do live streams of all the collective shows, all 72 of them. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> don't make, don't make plans with the girlfriend that weekend. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, in the opening contest, Jai Vidal uh, defeated uh, Carlos Roma uh, with a power bottom bomb <laughs> number two at twelve minutes and forty four seconds. Yes, sir. The power bottom bomb. I actually remember that from the broadcast and snickering. What do you think of this match? <laughs> All right, um, Jay Vidal mm. over Carlos Romo. Uh, the power bottom bomb to explain that to people unfamiliar is basically a Styles Clash is a power bomb. Right. He hooks he it's a forward facing Styles Clash. He hooks the arms and then instead of going forward into a face buster, he leaps up into a power a sit out power bomb instead. Vidal is actually a really hot commodity in pro wrestling right now, mm-hmm. and Carlos Romo you may remember from um. He actually had a run on NXT UK with his uh, Spanish compatriarch, A-Kid. I vaguely remember that. And then uh, a- uh, Romo got released. Mm-hmm. And then and A-Kid's obviously in NXT NXT proper now, NXT 2.0. But mm-hmm. Romo got released, but he's been making, he made his way over to the States for the collective weekend. And this match here ended up happening. Vidal, like I said, and we'll talk more about Vidal later in the show because he's on uh, Fear the Gay Agenda as well. So he has a pretty big he has a pretty big set of shows here. Vidal's mm-hmm. been really breaking out lately. He's one of the guys that's a star for uh, New South Pro Wrestling, based out of Tennessee too. It was a hot opening match to get the party started, and, and like I said, 
there were there were there were moments in the show that were a little off the beaten path, and we'll talk we'll talk about the alley catch dango match as being <laughs> I almost so I watched I watched Paro versus Effie with my son, who then I had to explain why <laughs> I had to explain to him that poor kid why, why these two men were calling each other daddy, which was an awkward conversation with an almost eight year old. But I digress. Parenting. Um, I asked, kid. I asked he's he'll, he'll be fine and very knowledgeable by the time he gets to high school. Thank you very much. Don't doubt me. Don't you don't you uh comment on my parenting, sir. Anyway, I asked him if he wanted to watch Effie's Big Gay Brunch, and he was like, nah, I'll pass. I'm gonna gonna go watch, I'm gonna go watch The Last Airbender. And as, as I watched the show, I was reminded why I shouldn't be letting him watch it in the first place. As uh, later on in the show, Alley Catch and Dangle will do dueling lap dances. <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, now this one stood Chuck, out to me a lot. Go ahead. Chalk one up for positive decisions by the eight-year-old. <laughs> He's wise beyond his years. Max the Impaler, who we last saw, I think, in the last show that we did, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't remember if Max was on episode five. I know we saw Max at Final Battle, though. Okay, that's I'm, it's one of the ones I was thinking of that we did. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I remember the I remember like the Viking Raiders outfit that she comes out in. Um, and then we have Edith Surreal, who I believe was a trans wrestler, if I remember correctly. Edith trans uh, used to be known as Still Life with pears and apricots in Chikara. Oh, that's a recent thing then, because I remember because that person wrestled as that name in a in a in a recent uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch. The probably the 2020 edition before everything went to shit with Shakara. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, well, Max the Impaler defeated Edith Surreal by countout at 11 minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, dude, Max the Impaler is just freaking brutal. Uh, just just absolutely kicks a whole lot of butt here. Reminds me a lot of uh, Sarah Logan. Um, yeah. Uh, just um. Uh, Max is a they them wrestler, so the, the whole non-binary thing. They uh, Max the Impaler is known as the non-binary nightmare. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw the manager of champions, Amy Rose, who was a part of the End Days Ring of Honor as well. She uh, she was at ringside with Max. I thought the finish was a little weird with the uh, choke slam through the door and a countout because traditionally on independent shows you don't get a whole lot in the way of countouts and disqualifications. So that yeah. finish that finish really stood out to me. Yeah, I, I didn't remember it until I read it there, but that was another one, too, because Game Changer Wrestling tends to operate the way ECW did, which is there are no countouts and there are no disqualifations, and this is why you get right. no jack hitting people with vacuums and shit. Um, so when they did the countout, I was like, huh, I wonder if this was supposed to end differently, but they, you know, some, maybe get someone got hurt or they, they were, like, running low on time or something. I don't know. But it, it struck me as odd. I agree. And especially... Uh... I think we've actually seen this match before in a different promotion. Kevin Gill talked about it, mm -hmm. that they had wrestled just a couple of months prior and Maxi and Paler won. The next match is uh, Jordan Blade. He defeated Kid Bandit, Killian McMurphy, Rico Gonzalez, Shea Purser, and Sil Silvio Milano and The Whisper. So tell me about who all, the who all these people are. I can tell you who some of these people are. A couple of them I have no clue either. Okay. Uh, Kid Bandit's a recent breakout uh, trans a wrestler, uh, male to female. Um, 
Very limited knowledge there. Jordan Blade mm -hmm. is one half of a, a traditionally one half of a tag team with a with a Eel O'Neill. Uh, there's a they have a tag team name, but it's escaping me right now. Killian McMurphy, I recognize from Limitless Wrestling, which is a promotion that we really need to do eventually because I think you would enjoy Limitless. Okay. They have a very solid product. Um who were the other names? Read off a couple of the other names again. It was um, Rico Gonzalez. Unfamiliar. Shea Purser. Very limited knowledge of Shea Purser from a couple of appearances in IWA Mid-South. Silvio Milano. Zero familiarity. And The Whisper. The Whisper I know from Chikara. That would probably be the person I'm most familiar with in this match. Uh, Jordan Blake picks up the victory, tapping out Kid Bandit with the rear naked choke at 12 minutes and 38 seconds. So I thought this was a pretty frenetic match. Um, you know, independent wrestling, especially when they do these multi-man matches, just, just, just a sloppy, sloppy slop fest. And I, I... I didn't think it was particularly good. Yeah, I... It just seemed like a bunch of, you know, indie guys doing flippity-doos and everyone running at 100 miles an hour, not to be the Jim Cornette guy, but, like, I can see the live crowd, like, being into it because they just want to see action, action, action. Right. Um, but if you're scrutinizing it, it it's, you know, uh, nothing was snug. Everything went a million miles an hour. Nothing mattered. And when they and when they got to their to their time to go home, they did. And it was like, I don't even know what the hell I just watched. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was kind of just there. Yeah, for sure. The next match, uh, Kata Murphy tapped Billy Dixon with a grapevine ankle lock at 12 minutes and 22 seconds. Um, I actually so they, don't they remember actually, this match. They actually told a pretty good story with this match. Um, okay. So Outsports.com. Are you familiar with the PWI 500? Yes. I, I, uh, once, I once bought wrestling magazines in high school. I still buy PWI, as a matter of fact, sir. Newest yeah. issue right here in my hands. Yes, the Dave Meltzer Spectacular. <laughs> Jesus. <fuck>. FDM. <laughs> Anyways, um, Outsports.com does a version of the PWI 500 called the Queer 250. Okay. Where they rank the 250 best uh, queer LGBTQIA wrestlers in the world. Mm -hmm. Um. Billy Dixon was ranked the number one last year. Oh, really? What and made him the number one LGBTQ wrestler in the world in the year of our Lord 2021? In, in addition to all of his performances entering, it was all, all that he did for the advancement of LGBTQ athletes as well, such mm -hmm. as the Billy, the Billy Dixon joint promotions, such as the promoting the being involved in shows like Big Gay Brunch and, and Fear the Gay Agenda and shows such as that and getting more mainstream notice on the LGBTQ community inside of the world of professional wrestling. Outstanding. All right. Keita uh, Murray mm -hmm. came into the match with a chip on his shoulder because Keita was ranked in the 20s. Mm. And the line that Keita used, and uh, this, is, this may end up getting us demonetized, was <laughs> the line that the line that that Keto used was you may have been the top in the two in the two, in the queer two fifty, but tonight you're going to be my bottom bitch. I think we're okay. We're past the five minute mark on YouTube, um, but yeah, that's a good line. Put that on a t shirt, Mindy or Dan Lasby, whoever gets to it first. All right, moving on. Um, the next one. This, this was fun. 
like again a lot of my same comments for the other scramble but it's still you know just a group of guys doing stuff to each other but i i got a kick out of some of these tag teams here so we have pretty in pink which consists of dylan mcqueen and kenzie page um they defeated ac mac and ashton star brooke valentine and devin monroe and msp which consists of aiden agro and the danger kid and this whole match was almost 15 minutes all right so dylan mcqueen and kenzie page who were they uh, Dylan McQueen is another one of those talents from the South that's starting to break out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenzie Page just recently signed with the NWA. Oh, okay. There, he's on power. She and <laughs> yes. yes. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about that. Okay, let me write Kenzie this down pa- for TikTok. Ken- Kenzie Page is the female. Yes, of the tag I, team. I do. I do now remember that that you. Uh, MSP, by the way, stands for Main State Posse, another team that's out of limitless wrestling which again yeah. we need to get we need they, to get to. they mentioned that a couple of times on the broadcast so i know the last time we did a show um might have been might have been the one before terminus I, I think i brought this up with the uh the, the night that we did impact and we you and i just did just a big old argument that we like to have and i talked about i don't particularly care for the intergender wrestling i think it's gotten stupid i think um they they don't put the the right kinds of people in those matches so what we the- talked about the the show we did where we talked about Cardona versus Jordan Grace for the digital yeah. media title, right? Which okay. was the Impact show. Correct. Um, I've had a change of heart, but I've only had but I've had a change of heart only in terms of shows like this, like more mainstream uh, wrestling shows. I still don't buy it, and for all the reasons I stated when we reviewed No uh, No Surrender. But for a show like Effie's Big Gay Brunch, where first of all, none of this is real fighting. It's they don't they're not even pretending this is like these are real fights. This is damn near performance art. And I'm here for it. <laughs> and it's so, it's characters ahead. more so than wrestlers yeah. involved. And, and but they're they're not even approximating a fake fight, which is what real wrestling is, which is what wrestling is supposed to be. This is abs this is almost like imitation of wrestling, but Obviously, even like, take the LGBTQ part out of it. So much of that is the indies to begin with. You know, it's it's guys, um, you know, like we talked about with the scramble, where it's not even there's no wrestling to be had. It's just spot, 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 spot. It doesn't look like a real fight in any way, shape, or form. And they're leaning into it. They're embracing it. And to take that to the next level, you know, when you're talking about a group of trans wrestlers, you know, you're talking about intergender wrestling. I, I stopped caring after a while. I was like, okay, men can fight women. Women can fight men. It's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and bellyache about this. This seems like it's more befitting of the culture of this kind of wrestling than it was when we reviewed Impact. Well, I think the reason you felt that way is because you had known you had known commodities in Matt Cardona and Jordan Grace, yes. and I think that kind of taints your. I think that kind of taints your outlook on it. Because you know Cardona because of the extended run that he's had in professional wrestling. You right. know Jordan. You know Jordan Grace because of the extended run that she's had in professional wrestling. Be, be it stuff with Black Label or the stuff that she's right. done with Impact Wrestling or whatever but, it may have been before that. Out, or, Jordan Grace was known for but, for wrestling male wrestlers. Like you know, she's the one that eliminated I, big old muscular Brian Cage at all at uh, All In, which I correct. also had a problem with. So to to the there is a degree that you're right to where it's like. When you're getting to the point where you're approximating mainstream wrestling, I don't think this has a place. But I think if you're this far into the indie scene, 
I'm okay with it being as punk rock as it wants to be. And if you, you know, and if you want to do stuff that's way off the beaten path, I'm fine with it. It's just, it's one I was, I was telling somebody the other day, the thing about a show like this is it puts people like who's going to be in the main event as an example in a showcase where under, under normal circumstances, nobody would ever see them because they're so far away from the acceptable mainstream. They're not going to get on a show where a lot of people are going to see it unless they're in a show like this one. You get a lot of that on in, in independent wrestling, though, which is one mm -hmm. of the reasons why I like promotions like Beyond Wrestling, the reason I like mm -hmm. the promotion like Chikara, the reason I like the promotion like Black Label Pro based out of Indiana, mm -hmm. because they don't treat it as male versus female. They treat mm -hmm. it as wrestler versus wrestler. Right. And I and that's why I, I came around to it. I think context is key. So in a show like this, it it works. It's fine. It's not insulting to me. Right. A show like Impact or WWE or AEW, I'm gonna have more. I'm still gonna have a problem with it. I think it's almost too different. So, animals. so let me ask you this then: What was your opinion of Tessa Blanchard as Impact Heavyweight Champion? Thought it was the dumbest thing ever. I don't love the idea that she kept the belt as long as she did. Well, I get the. Part of it was COVID, and she ran away to Mexico and never came back. Well, yeah, because she wanted to be with her fiance. So, I yes. mean, there's that. Yeah. But um, I don't have an issue with it, especially mm -hmm. given the fact that Impact is basically a higher level indie at this point. It's on that line, man, and 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 it's like they and look, it's not Effie's Big Game Brunch is never going to be anything but a punk rock show. It's always going to be. I agree. It's always going to be the Ramones at CBGBs. It's never going to be Journey at the Nassau Coliseum. No, I agree with that. I agree that this is targeting a niche demographic of wrestling yeah. fans. Right. Absolutely. And Impact desperately wants to be Journey at Nassau Coliseum. They are currently Pantera at the Roseland, but they want to be Journey at Nassau Coliseum. And so, you know, I, I think that matters. And now, thanks for that. I now have five minutes alone stuck in my head. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> Have you ever heard have you ever heard the non-point cover of that? It's actually very good. Is it really? Oh, I, I yeah. think on non-point. I'll have to go check that out. Next match. Um we've got uh no bananas. Dark Sheik. Woo! Dark Sheik, a much better wrestler than she <laughs> than she is a uh a commentator. With Facts <laughs> with Pollo Doma. This was my favorite match of this entire match. Like, look, I'm all I'm all about Effie. Effie, if you're listening to this at a later date, because me and Effie are best friends on Twitter now. I saw that. <laughs> he's my he's my bud. Love you, Effie. Mwah. Um, if you're listening to this, your match was not as good as this one. Because my new favorite wrestler is actually Paro. Paro is fucking awesome. And okay, Paro you might not you might not want to say that given the match that we're going to cover next on this show. And no, Paro is the best. But what about the the next show that we're covering here, where Effie wrestles Paro? <laughs> we'll talk about it. But uh. just in, in general, <laughs> I first of all, we will. I don't want to skip too far ahead, but but Paro's Paro's promo before their match is the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. I was I was like I'm sitting there watching it. Can I quote was, that without getting us? I Can I quote okay. that without getting us demonetized? I think if Paro said it, we're okay repeating it. But yeah, his promo <laughs> hey. before the last Daddy Standing match is the not since not since Paul Heyman threw his hat at Vince McMahon the week the SmackDown before Survivor Series as I have I heard a promo that good. It was I mean it was pipe bomb esque at best. <sighs> 
It's so good. We, we'll talk about that promo when we get to that show because I have words. <laughs> I'm sure you do. But uh, Dark Sheik in Paral, man, they cut it up. This was the best match of the show, in my opinion. And I'll tell you, I, I have a friend who also an ally of the community, part of the community, as a matter of fact, as near as I can tell. And I was sending her like Snapchats of the video. And I, I caught the one where Paro just yeeted Dark Sheik at uh, whoever the uh, the host was. I, I, I missed the person's name. But uh, she was up on the on the apron. And, Pollo Del Mar. Yeah, Pollo Del Mar. Um, she was up on the apron doing something. I have no idea why she was up there, maybe jaw jacking with Paro. And Paro just fucking threw like a like Ray Mysterio on Nitro that one night. Just threw uh, Dark Sheik at her. And she went through the... Uh, she went through the door and set up on the two chairs. And and Kevin Gill had the best reaction. Like he it was like, do you remember when Victoria took the uh the power bomb from the I think it was the Dudleys when she was one of the hoes? Yes. Okay. You remember it? Like everyone thought she legit got hurt. People like they were like throwing yes. up X's and she goes backstage, she's like, I'm fine. I was selling. It was that kind of moment where they're like, Oh my god, stop the match, get help. The woman maybe fell like a foot off the ring through a door and then it more pushed the tables out of the way than it did break but they were acting like she done got killed um well you know what it is it's the samuel jackson role <laughs> okay. and by that i by that i mean sometimes you have to hit a motherfucker with another motherfucker <laughs> well Paral certainly hit a motherfucker with another motherfucker and i was there for it man it was good shit <laughs> <laughs> um well, Effie was actually involved in this match, though. He counted the decisive pinfall on the victory roll. That's right. Yeah, Paro was in control. Par I'll tell you what, Dark Sheik was selling like Rey Mysterio in there. She, she was just trying to, you know, come from come from well, behind. Paro was just beating the piss out of her. And then uh, she ended up getting the roll up. I feel like using the phrase come from behind on this show might be a mistake. Go sit in the corner, Harry. Think of what you did. That was worth a rib shot, and you know it. <laughs> you happy <Cute>. now? <laughs> yes. All right. Um, yeah. Dark Sheik pins power with a victory roll with a fast count by Effie uh, at nine minutes and thirty nine seconds. This was the best almost ten minutes of my life. I just thought it was fantastic. If any, if anyone listening to this who doesn't normally watch wrestling. Uh, wants to see what the hell we're all talking about, just watch Dark Sheik versus Paro. It's worth the price of admission. Definitely and, worth the Google. And now for something completely different. Woo! All right. For our audience who might not be big-time wrestling fans but are checking this out because of the subject matter, who is Dango? Uh, Dango would be Fandango, Johnny Curtis. He of the Fandango in craze. Back from 2012, I believe it was, when he wrestled I, Jericho at Mania. You know what's what's amazing about that is I, I want to say that was one of the worst WrestleManias in history, and the crowd was just revolting against the product. And so they started fandangoing, and the WWE just stole it from the crowd. They were like, we're going to, everything will be fandangoing now, and you pieces of shit are going to have to learn to love this product, whether you like it or not. It was a very surreal moment in wrestling. Accept it, people. It's a thing. Yes, accept it. It's a thing. Uh, Alley Cat. Um, so there's a little bit of a story behind the finish that we'll get to, but Alley Catch, excuse me, the former Alley Cat, Alley Catch now. Mm -hmm. uh, she 
she had quite the busy um, collective, including a match that we'll be getting to next week when we do spring break as she wrestles Mickey James in a match that I'm really looking forward to watching. Very cool. So, yes, there was a point in this match where Dirty Dango oh. and Alley Catch. So, in if you don't know, and now you will, in a lot of independent wrestling, two guys will sit chairs in front of each other. They'll sit in those chairs, and they'll take turns either chopping or slapping or punching each other. And here, Alley Catch and Dango sat chairs in front of each other, and they did dueling lap dances. I mean, I'd sign up for a lap dance from Alley Catch. Or Dango? I mean, more definitely Alley Catch. Okay. But I mean, what about that? Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, I, I feel like if either Dango or Alley Catch offers you a lap dance, you don't turn either one of them down. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I'm fandangoing. I, I, for our audio <laughs> listeners, yes, he is. Yes, <laughs> um, I, it was fine. I mean, this, this, this again, this, this almost got to Marco stunt dildo levels, but not quite. And I, and I laugh because like it's. I, I don't see. I don't know. I think it. I think it got there. I think it definitely got there in a couple of moments. The five punches in the corner mm-hmm. where Fandango thrusted his junk into Alley Cat's face, and then Alley Cat switched some spots, and she ended up pelvic thrusting him square in the face with her meow. <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm. I'm trying to use the polite term right now because of what the finish is actually called. <laughs> The finish what I, is called the Pussy PD, is, is what you wrote. Pile driver. She calls it the Pussy Pile Driver. That is it's fantastic. A, it is MJF's Heat Seeker. And the irony of that is her and MJF used to date. Really? Allie, I was not aware LA Catch uh, would date MJF. Yes, her and MJF used to date back when uh, MJF, before this was pre AEW Maxwell okay, Jacob. Sure. I wonder if Alley Catch will ever end up in AEW. Like maybe, uh, I mean, Alley Catch isn't the worst wrestler I've ever seen on the Indies. Maybe, maybe when MJF leaves for WWE in 2024. Maybe. Um, what? I mean, did you like the match? Did you not like the match? I, I'm focusing on a lot of the sexual stuff because that's what I remember because I'm me. Uh, but did you uh, like the match? See, I think in this instance here, you have to focus on that because that was like a good three quarters of the match itself, though. It really was. It really that's was. why it's standing out. Yeah, um, the match itself, I mean, for a show like this, you're kind of expecting something like this, and especially coming from a performer such as such as Dango, who's who's going to play the hits from his persona, because you, you kind of mm-hmm. get like that. You kind of well, get a was, couple of them. Well, hang on. He wasn't giving full-on lap dances in, in, in WWE. But he was doing the dancing and stuff that he used to do. It was a right. very similar to the Fashion Police character that he played with Tyler Breeze in That's WWE. Fair. Yeah, that was very Frisco, that whole thing. Um, so have you been following Dango on the indies? I mean, is he doing kind of sexual stuff in other matches or was it just something he, 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 uh, pulled out of his pants here for Effie's big gay brunch? Give yourself a rim shot for that. That was well I, done. <laughs> thank you. Uh, here, I'll do this one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, Honestly, not so much. I haven't seen okay. a ton of his independent ring work, but my guess is it was hypersexualized for the sake of this particular show. Do you ever think we'll get, and, and I'm going to use the man's name, but I don't actually mean like, I mean, he, he is forever excommunicated from professional wrestling for being a sex pervert. So when I say this, I mean, like, will there ever be another show like this? Um, but do you ever think we'll get another Joey Ryan's penis party? 
you mean somebody else turned up to that level of that degree of yeah like you do you think like dirty dango will ever have a penis party i i think that i i if joey ryan proved anything he proved that there is a marketplace for that kind of character did i tell you when i told my son about joey ryan's penis party that was all he wanted to watch this was a few years ago <laughs> when they did the collective in new york well it was it was right so let's but... It was was that the year of the penis druids? Yes, that was the year of the penis druids. I can't believe that's a real sentence I just said. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the three gals versus the three guys, one of which was Joey Ryan. I think Priscilla Kelly was in there because of course Tampon Girl was there. Um, I can't remember who everybody now, else was. And now Tampon Girl works for the WWE. Yeah, she, she she uh, she lost the tag team titles on the NXT stand and deliver on Saturday. And on the pre-show, no less. Yes, on the pre-show. All right, moving on. Uh, we finally main get event. The main event. Uh, Pimpinella Escalada pins Effie with a roll up in six minutes and twenty four seconds. This felt a lot longer than six minutes, man. This felt like it was like a whole good twenty minutes of, of them just rolling around chasing each other, going playing. There was a, uh, there was a lot of shtick before the bell rang. I okay. only counted it. I only counted it from when the actual bell rang. Okay, so the segment itself was twenty minutes, but the actual match. Was, yeah. Okay. But to be fair, to be fair, Escarlata is like fifty something years old. Yeah. So tell tell the our our viewing audience who Pimpinella Escarlata is. Pimpinella Escarlata is a uh, exotico out of Mexico. What is an uh, exotico? A trans wrestler, basically. Okay. Uh, guys who dress up, uh, guys who dress up femininely. Um, mm -hmm. In this particular instance. Um, Escarlata does use the, the she, her pronouns now, mm -hmm. so it goes even a step further than what it was. But Escarlata was one of the most famous early adapters to the Exotico style. Another famous one that you might be a little bit more familiar with here in the States is Cassandro. Vaguely familiar. Uh, run with uh, Chikara as well as uh, IWA Mitsoff in one of the Ted Petty Invitationals. Okay. So that. That's why that name might ring familiar to you. Um, mm -hmm. So Escarlata continued the tradition of the Exotico because a lot of times in Mexico, you get a lot of those like different um, like stipulated matches where you have like you have your minis matches, you have mm -hmm. your, your your trios matches, you have your Atomicos matches, which are eight man tags for our unfamiliar American friends. You have all, all kinds of different levels of uh, filling out the card there and a lot of times they'd like to do these uh some of the trios matches where they do a male a female and an exotico mm -hmm. is effie the most famous right now the most well-known the most closest to mainstream lgbtq wrestler going uh, gotta be up there i yeah. i don't know i i would say maybe darren young or whatever name darren young's using is now just in, is he still <clears throat> he's still in wrestling in the new japan fred rosser okay so I, I asked that question because every time I've watched one of these, sometimes Effie wins, sometimes he puts himself over, and sometimes, like in this particular case, he was very much there for uh, Pimpinella. You know, he th th this whole match was like, look at this person who I found toiling in obscurity. I want to make sure they look like a big star. Um, it it reminded me of the Austin Owens match from WrestleMania Night One. In what possible way? In the fashion that this was Effie paying tribute to somebody that had come before him and paved the road that he's now walking. Right, except that Kevin Owens took a stunner and Pimpinella got to win the match. No, Pimpinella would be Austin in this instance. 
Effie oh. would be Owens. Oh, okay. I misunderstood you. Interesting. Explain. Because Effie looked up to Pimpinella Escarlata. Okay, gotcha. As gotcha. somebody that was a trendsetter for the style of wrestling that Effie does, that that mm -hmm. uh, that queer wrestling style, that acceptance of people whose lifestyle choices don't necessarily fit the mainstream norms. Someone listening to this might ask, "What in the hell is queer wrestling style?" Um, the uh, the LGBT the LGBT community involved. Okay, no, but uh, the, when you say the when you say queer wrestling style, as if it's a different style of physical wrestling. No, not it's not. A, that's no, why I was like, I, I, was like, I just do you know the, something about this that I don't. No, the community members involved okay, more so no, no, than no, the action not, itself. Because, well, the other reason why I was questioning it was like, is he talking about? Because Effie does some very particular things in his matches. You know, Effie can lay the stick on a little thick at times. Yes, he certainly can, Ollie. I mean, like he full on grabs people's junk. Um, yes. he doesn't, there's a lot of that there, you know, again, poor Marco stunt in the dildo and we don't need to go into all of that because that got graphic in a hurry. Um, there is, it's, it's, there, it's, it's a lot of good gold dust without the, isn't it fun to laugh at the queer guy stuff? You know, like, like it's the kind of stuff that gold dust would do, especially like 96, 97 gold dust. Early gold dust is a great, you know, who else is, uh, it's a gay version of the Joey Ryan character. Yeah, very much so. Because uh, uh, one of Effie's one of Effie's trademark suplexes is uh, grabbing his opponent by the balls, right? And that was one of consensually. Let's I yes. wanna, I wanna... let's 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 clarify that because <laughs> and for it, that it, it may seem like it's against their will, but they're all agreeing to it, much and like for the that, dick flip. And for and for that reason alone, fuck Joey Ryan. There was a great conversation that Jim Cornette had about like Joey Ryan because that was the argument that always gets made is that you know they're paying him to do the dick flip and the guy and the guy or girl who takes the dick flip is consenting to it by by being a part of it. But Jim Cornette brought up the fact that people may be agreeing to it on paper, but in the back of their mind feeling pressure to do it because that's the oh, gimmick. But don't agreed. really want to be, you know. It's and like. It, it's kind, you know, it, it's kind of like I, I don't want to take my top off of this movie, but I feel like I won't get the role otherwise. Uh, uh that's actually a very good comparison right there, and that's mm. something that you could definitely use for the TikTok promotion on the show right there. But yeah, no, and there are there are actual proven examples of people that have wrestled Joey Ryan that have said absolutely not, I won't do that spot mm -hmm. because some people find it demeaning. Sure. And other uh, other people feel it hurts their credibility as a wrestler. Like, okay, credibility in wrestling, granted, <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah, exactly. You're laughing as soon as I said it. That's kind of the point well, there. Well, I mean, I, I, at some point, you just give up on credulity when the move, when the move essentially is he flexes his torso, his pecs, and, and you front flip while holding his junk. You know, I, I, it's, there is there is a there, there's a point where you're either going to religiously believe this is all happening, or you know it's fake, and it, you know it's as fake as a football bat. It is 11:48 Eastern Standard Time, April 4th, 2018, and my favorite sports teams have now just won a second national championship in six months. Hang on. All right. Um, overall, I really enjoyed Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Uh, I got a kick out of it. I, I, it. I watch it every time they do them, um, and I'm always, I'm always interested to see what what athletes are getting because again, you get such a cross section of body types and people, and 
uh, varieties of of genders and sexualities. It's 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 quite the um, it's quite the paella of of wrestling, and uh, I, I enjoy it. I know I I know when I say it out loud, there's always this question of like he's purposely being passively antagonistic. I am, but I also really like it. You know, I uh, I I think of like when you think of all. I, I think it was in fact twelve matches that twelve um, cards that were part of the collective this year. What were the main focuses? You know, Joey Ryan, Joey, Joey Ryan, um, Joey Janela's Spring Break, Bloodsport, the World on Lucha. How many people were really paying that close attention to Effie's Big Gay Brunch outside of that community, or people like me who are trying to antagonize people who would prefer something like Big Gay Brunch would just go away? So I want to pay extra special attention to it. Yeah, I think that I think that part of the reason why these shows exist is to piss off people that don't like the fact that they exist. Yeah. And I want to be, I want to be, I want to be part of the culture that pisses off people that don't like the culture. Um, my issue is, and yes. and if, uh, allow me to soapbox for a quick second here about these kinds of shows specifically. Okay. Because me and my buddy Jeremy have had this conversation before. Jeremy Lambert of Fightful Select. No, not Jeremy Lambert of Fightful Select and Four One One Mania. Okay. Not not him. Gotcha. Um, we've had the conversation before that. I like my wrestlers as wrestlers. I don't like them put into any kind of specific box or anything. Okay. And I think doing these kind of shows does a disservice to these people because you label them as a specific type of wrestler by having them involved with a big gay brunch or like having the, you remember the black wrestlers matter show from 2021. Okay. I'm already writing down the time because we're about to have a vicious debate. Cause I disagree with you entirely. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead and throw this on TikTok. By all means, feel I, free. W2M Network 2. Um, here, here's... There is a uh, passive prejudice that exists in almost any institutional organization to where I'm not going to hire you because you're gay. I can't say that. That's illegal, so I'll find a different reason. But it is, in fact, you know, the reason why I'm not hiring you for I don't, this, this position. I don't um, disagree with that. So the, the purpose of showcase events is that these people already have a hard enough time getting gigs. It's hard enough, I think, as an LBGTQ wrestler to get work on the indie scene when they can... Look, ev almost every single one of these people, with the exception of like maybe a few, like Edith Surreal had kind of a different look to her, Maxine Taylor kind of a different look. Um, but as much as I love Paro, there are a lot of Paros out there. They don't have to hire the gay Paro. And they don't have to tell him that's why they're not hiring him. They just don't have to hire him. I wouldn't have known who Paro was without Big Gay Brunch. Well, because I wouldn't hire I, I wouldn't hire Mike Paro because he's an asshole, but that's neither here nor there. That would be exactly why I would hire him, but you and I are not the same person. My that's point is <laughs> fair. My point is, and I'll I'll let you counter this and then we can move on, is it there are so many people on this card who look like 106 other wrestlers. And Agreed. you have an embedded prejudice against um, the, the queer community, you're going to look for any one of those people who are just as easy, you know, if not easier to hire than the gay ones, than, you know, than the, than the lesbian ones, the trans ones, especially the trans okay. ones. Okay, my counter to that, though, would be that a show like this is, purpose, is purposefully secluding people that aren't of the community that they're... Excluding? Yeah, ex yeah, exactly. Are, so super fluid? Look, at, 
Look Look at you correcting me on a word for once on this podcast. <laughs> I, I know people who are going to listen to this. I don't want this to sound dumb. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Our purpose are purposefully excluding people that are not of this orientation. Mm-hmm. Like go back to the about go back to the Black Wrestlers Matter show. Uh-huh. If you want to focus a show based around what's going on in the African American community, by all means, feel free to do so. I have absolutely no problem with that. But do not market do not market it explicitly as such by doing a disservice to people that are allies that are friends to your cause mm-hmm. and not letting them participate. Do well, not do a disservice. Uh, is, Big Gay Brunch, for example, here. Well, you know who is, is is Dango part of the LGBTQ community? Because yes. Is he really? Okay. Yes. Uh, you know okay. who isn't part of the L- LGBTQ community? CM Punk. Kevin Gill. Kevin um, Gill. Okay. Actually, CM Punk is an ally. Um, okay. okay. But now, okay. Well, how, how are we defining this then? Because if you start getting into allies, boy, does that pool get a lot bigger. My point. Granted. My counter to that, and then we really do have to move on. Um, okay. Because for this, like, seven, eight, eight match card, indie card. We don't need to be doing an hour of this, um, and I still and we still got to get to Effie's. I do uh, think I feel I think Fear of the Gay Agenda will be a much shorter review, though. Yeah, well, it is only five matches. My point is, if you're suggesting that the thing that makes, thank you, the thing that makes Big Gay Brunch problematic is that it's all LGBTQ. There are no straight people on this show. Why not mix it up? That's fine, except that spots to get on that show are limited as it is the show itself is limited as it is they only do them only you know x amount of times a year there aren't that many of these and so what is the master you want to serve showcasing as many lgbtq wrestlers as as you want or creating inclusion unnecessarily see i think that at the in the attempt of making inclusion you're causing division by by default okay and I and I think we're going to find a very similar format to this discussion when we talk about for the culture as well. I guess we'll we'll find out at the end of the month when we review Bloodsport and for the culture. But in the meantime, this uh, circular debate was brought to you by Grammarly. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively, like Harry Broadhurst. He communicates effectively, even if he doesn't remember the difference between excluded and secluded. See, I could be snarky too. Um, <laughs> that was very, that was b- very superfluous of you. Shut the fuck up. Grammarly helps you write mistake free <laughs> Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. So download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right. Pa- um, Paro. Uh, Harry. No Peace Underground, Fear the Gay Agenda took place June of 2021 in the shadow of the Orlando uh, gay club shooting. I don't remember what the name of the club was called. Pulse. uh, Pulse. In the uh, the shadow of the Pulse shooting, um, they did this. And I remember when it was happening, there was a lot of Twitter buzz about it in the wrestling community. And uh, it was it was pretty monumental for what it was at the time. We're only just now getting to it because this is the first time I've ever had a chance to watch it as uh, it's only found on independentwrestlingtv.com. Before we start talking about Fear the Gay Agenda itself, explain what No Peace Underground is because it's a very interesting promotion. No Peace Underground is a traditionally deathmatch promotion that under a lot of circumstances, and this show is one of them, they do not use a ring. I 
personally hate that concept. <laughs> yeah, it's it does make it seem like just random fights broke out at a at a rock concert, or um, in this case, or in this case, a gay bar. But yes, yeah, yeah, it just it like well, there's a stage there. That's why I said that. So it just feels like people are just fighting in the crowd for no apparent reason. It's like, oh wait, I, that's the entertainment. Which is weird, though, because when you consider the actual production values of No Peace mm -hmm. Underground, they're amongst the best in independent wrestling. That hype package that opened mm -hmm. the show yeah. with uh, the, the clips of all the different pastors in the Westboro Baptist Church, yeah. which fuck those people. But the, the, those clips and everything that aired of all of that stuff there mm -hmm. was maybe one of the best opening packages I have ever seen to open an independent wrestling show. It gave me chills. It was it was a really it was fun to watch. Um, I think they did a good job with it. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the no ring death match thing. I, I don't know. I, I feel like you got to dress that up a little bit. Just having guys fighting in, on the stage or in front of the stage at a gay club. Meh. Um, you know, I, I, almost, I prefer the way no holds barred does it where there's an actual ring with chains or inside of the pit where you actually yeah. have like a canvas and a cage surrounding the fighters and stuff. Right. I feel like that adds more of a fight feel to it than right. just brawling and sucker punching each other inside of a nightclub. Yeah. Uh, again, dress it up some way, maybe like use absolutely final ropes or something just to make it look like there's a fighting space. If you want to not use a ring, and, and which yeah. I'm, okay, I'm okay with the absence of a ring, I'm not okay with you know I'm there I am at at the gay bar with you know a drink and a drink watching the wrestling and these guys just falling on me left and right like come on let's let's create some separation. I here. I appreciate that they had like an enclosed area for them to fight off separated mm -hmm. from the fans that did give a little bit of that definition, but in my opinion, it wasn't enough. No. All right, uh, so we start off uh, No Peace Underground's Effie's Fear of the Gay Agenda. Uh, <laughs> Jai Vidal defeats Dylan McQueen. Sorry, no, Billy Dixon, rather. Starting off with Billy Dixon defeating Ashton Starr. Tell me about this match. This is a this was just a regular good old-fashioned no-ring death match. Uh, let's talk about um, the McFoley cameo at the start of the show as well. Oh, though. God, really... Let's not talk about that douchebag. What do you have against Mick Foley? He's a douchebag. You need to go stop this podcast. Go listen to me and Pat talk about the mania of WrestleMania 20, and we will explain in vascular detail why Mick Foley is a douchebag. I like <laughs> Mick Foley. He's always been nice to me. So uh, I understand that you're like that your respect for a person relates only to how they treat you and not how they conduct themselves in every other facet of life. You'll have to explain this to me once we finish because apparently I've hit a sore spot. <laughs> Anyways, back to Billy Dixon and Ashton yeah. Starr. Um, eh. yeah. I think the lack of ring, and then this goes for the entire. This goes for the entire show. The mm -hmm. lack of ring hurt all of these participants because a lot of these participants are actually very good wrestlers. Mm -hmm. We saw Billy Dixon in a, in a, in my opinion, in a pretty good match against Keita Murray on a Big Gay Brunch. Right. I think he was limited against Ashton Starr, who, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated wrestlers out of the Midwest in the last decade. Well, if you you know you watch wrestling, there's things that wrestlers do with the ropes, with the ring posts, et cetera, et cetera. You take the ring out of it entirely, you're limiting the amount what you can do with these things, and then you're absolutely. Also, and then with with death matches in and of themselves, you're you're talking about a very limited canvas on which to paint. You know, well, there's really no wrestling going on. And let's not also forget that you're you're taking away a lot of these guys' abilities to take these big moves and these big spots. Right. Like, yeah, there were a couple of big spots in this match. Dixon getting thrown off the stage into the light tube bundle, and then the finish with yeah. the uh, 
the finish with the flying elbow drop after like the I think it was through uh, a, a slam off the a choke slam off mm -hmm. the stage through the door on the two chairs. So it was right. basically like a makeshift table. And then Dixon dropped an elbow off the stage for the finish. Yeah. The, the the problem though is that you're opening these guys up to severe injury by not giving them a safe space with which to perform, in my opinion. Yeah. Which is which is already bad enough, you know, with death matches where you have the possibility of cutting yourself an artery and you know dying in the helicopter on the way to the hospital. Nick Gage. Um anyway. Twice. Twice, yes. Jai Vidal wins um the the MV Young Twink Gauntlet. I was I wasn't paying tremendous attention to this. I didn't, and I and every time I looked up, there was a new wrestler out there. So it took me a good ten minutes into the match to realize this was a twink gauntlet. Now, Harry, explain to our international, worldwide audience what a twink not a damn chance. <laughs> I'm going to need you to explain in vascular detail the concept of the twink gauntlet. Nope. <laughs> I'm not touching this one. Please get out your charts and diagrams, sir. Everyone needs to know. I will say that there were a couple of people that surprised me by their inclusion in this match. And okay. this goes back to my theory before that we talked about during the Big Gay Brunch, whereas this show had some known non-immediately LGBTQ performers involved with it. Uh, mm -hmm. Heather Monroe of the Killer Bays, for example, uh, normal tag team partners with uh, Laura James, Joey Ryan's ex-fiance. Mm -hmm. uh, she was involved in the uh, in the Twink Gauntlet. Um, there are a few other people that were involved in the Twink Gauntlet that aren't necessarily directly involved with uh, with uh, Kelsey Regan, for example. Although I think mm -hmm. Kelsey might be less. I think Kelsey might be bisexual. I'm not sure on that. Gotcha. All right, next match: Dark Sheik defeated uh, Trish Adora in 10 minutes and 22 seconds. Dude, Dark Sheik was no joke in this man. Dark Sheik tore it up with Trish Adora, I beat the living piss out of her. Um, as somebody who has the beliefs that I have, I hated this match because. Okay, it, a for our for, for our for, audio people for our audio listeners, I just put up the symbol of straight edge, and they were both smoking a spliff during the match. That's right, I do remember that. Okay, you you're, sometimes you got to have to you know like peek my memory here. So yeah, they yeah. were starting to smoke. <laughs> they were smoking during the match. I don't know. It cracked me up. This, That's, was very, it's, this was a very I, adult I, show for a very adult yeah, audience. Yeah, I get that doing it's adult stuff. I get that it's an adult audience, mm -hmm. but I'm not of the opinion that using performance enhancing uh, performance altering drugs during the course of a wrestling match is okay. Okay, no one's going to invite you to fancy parties, sir. I don't care. <laughs> I would rather not be invited to those kind of parties, anyways. Fair enough. Fair to enough. Quote, you, you're to, entitled. To, to, you're entitled to your beliefs. I'm just saying. For the rest of us mortals, you know, if someone wants to break out a blunt in the middle of a wrestling match, eh, we're not opposed. To to quote your favorite septuagenarian wrestling commentator, thank you. Fuck you. Bye. <laughs> okay. No fancy party for Harry Broadhurst. Moving on. Um, I like this match, but I get why you didn't like it. Like smoking in the, the middle. Mat, of the match the in ring happy. action. The in-ring action itself was actually pretty good, and I really liked Adora's cattle mutilation using the kendo stick. I thought that was very innovative. Yeah, it looked pretty cool. All right, so this, <laughs> the, other than the last daddy's thing, this is my second favorite match of the whole thing. The no-ring pup-collar death match between Odin's son and Zicky Dice. Dude, Odin's son, man. Can we not get this man in a more mainstream promotion? He has built like a brick shit house. I was like, Arr, woo -hoo -hoo. Odin's uh, son. 
care careful, you're gonna piss off Paro. That's his uh husband. I'm allowed to like what I like. Paro can, yeah. can deal with it. <laughs> Good luck with that, because he he'll he'll be an asshole to you on Twitter too. What whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, an asshole to me on Twitter. Must can I point Tuesday. out that I was back, can I actually point out that I was more impressed by Zicky Dice in this match? And I feel like I feel like this was part of Zicky Dice's fuck the NWA tour because he was okay. right off of his. Can you give right... some context to the, what you're talking about here? Okay, so well, he I was. Find, uh, well, I find pictures of Odin's on to share with the world because everyone must know. Uh, Zicky Dice was in the NWA, the Billy Corgan edition, and at one point was the NWA television champion. However, Zicky's contract expired while Zicky still had the title, to my knowledge. And Corgan basically wanted him to just come back and drop the title. And Zicky said, not without a deal. Interesting. Okay. And then this was part of his fuck the NWA tour where he was going around and working all kinds of shows and stuff while still being, if I'm not mistaken, while still being the NWA champion. Look at that. Look at all that. Yeah. Odin's son, baby. Woo! You're going to want to. Yeah, I was going to say you're going to want to do a. <laughs> he is. He is a very handsome man. I will grant you that. That's a lot of that's a lot of big men slapping meat right there. Big Big E would approve. <laughs> Shout out to Big E. Get well soon. So. Yep. And someone fire Ridge Holland until he learns how to work. God, ain't that the goddamn truth? All right, are we done? Not, uh, are, are we done being? Oh, wait, here they are together. <laughs> there it is. Perfect. Muted they're them. known. They're they're a tag team on the Indies known as the End. I'll bet. <laughs> Write your own joke. <laughs> yeah, baby. Woo! Paro and Odin, son. That's professional wrestling, everybody. That's what it looks like. God you know damn who Odinson kind of? You know who Odinson kind of looks like? Alexander Hammerstone, who's also fucking hot as shit, dude. Like Alexander Hammerstone is just everything a wrestler should be and more. The worst thing about him is he works for a promotion nobody watches. The MLW. That's correct. We need to get we need to get Alexander Hammerstone against Roman Reigns at next year's WrestleMania. We need to get Alexander Ham we need to get Alexander Hammerstone versus Odinson, and then we'll never see Mark Rattledge again. Yeah, yeah, I will be I will be pantsless and in the woods living deliberately. Um, <laughs> can we get an elimination chamber of like Roman Reigns, <laughs> Odinson, Paro, Tyson Fury, uh, Alexander Hammerstone? Oh my God, me and Bat Mullen. You wouldn't be able to find us after that. We'd just be <laughs> cocooned somewhere. The, oh, that joke writes itself. <laughs> I can't make it. That's what I was going for. Anyway, Odinson, oh. <laughs> Odinson pinned Zicky Dice with an F5 through two open chairs. Oh, that was ugly as sin. Not to mention, neither of the chairs gave any kind of support. He just kind of splatted right through the center. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> my god it was like a bug on a windshield um but yeah odinson man kicked a lot of ass in that and i the the other thing i thought was hilarious was because it sounds like they were doing a dog collar match um but at right. one point one of them i think broke out the dog food and was like shoving the other one's face in it i'm like oh this got kinky in a hurry this this was fun though this was this was one of the more fun matches on here yeah i've never really heard anything bad about odinson um mm -hmm. I, I i have my issues with Paro. we talked about him earlier i won't yeah. don't feel the need to get back into him again yeah but uh odinson you know. i've never 
Odinson I've never really had any issues with. And Zicky Dice is somebody who I think has the potential and the character ability to go much further than he's gone thus far in pro wrestling. It's just going to be a case of finding – because remember, he was an impact for a while as well. It's just going to be a case of him finding that opportunity that allows him to explore his potential. Well, you know, the other thing – I know AEW is going to be washing some guys out and they're going to be looking for some new talent. Maybe he'll end up there. Or involved with the new relaunched Ring of Honor as well. Yeah, that, that, that that's another thing. The the new Ring of Honor is basically AEW's NXT is gonna need bodies. So and then Absolutely. and they're not getting the Briscoes. We already know that. Yeah. And apparently they're not getting Rhett Titus either after what happened to him at Supercard of Honor. Well, who did he piss off? Are you talking getting... about what happened in the match or something happened backstage? I mean the fact that they gave him Minoru Suzuki to beat his ass. Oh, wow. Um, it's an honor to be beaten the piss out of by Minoru Suzuki. Anyway. Some uh, would we, say it's a badge of honor. So we have MSP of Aiden Agro and the Danger Kid uh, also on Effie's Big Gay Brunch. They defeated Culture Incorporated, Eli Knight, and Malik Basede. Uh, what do you think of this match? Okay, so something that we haven't talked about from the show that I have to talk about here. The... Yeah. The um, what's the word that I'm looking for here? The performer that introduced the matches, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Evel, yeah. Evel, Evelyn Adonis, or whatever it was. So, my wife gave me a big old kiss before she went outside in the backyard to read her book. And my son, who was watching um, Fear the Gay Agenda with me, because parenting, um, look, go to my Twitter for more parenting tips, everybody. Anyway, so my son's playing his video game and he's going to play his video game until until the main event starts. But he's just hanging out with me on the couch. He's, uh, mom kisses me, goes outside. Jonas puts a blanket over his head because he doesn't want to see his parents kiss. And I'm teasing him about it. I'm like, like your parents love each other. This is not the worst thing ever. Get over it. He's like, ah, I don't need to see what the YouTube people do. You know, and I am a I am a classy seven year old, almost eight year old. Anyway. So at one point he stopped, he started paying attention to what was going on, and he happened to be paying attention when what was it, Miss Evelyn, who's ha- who, who's like tits are out <laughs> through the oh, entire more, thing. <laughs> more or less, yeah. yeah. He was not covered at all. And 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 it was so funny. Drag queen. I'm looking at I'm looking at Jonas and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at Jonas, I'm looking at her. And I'm like, why is it your mom kisses me? You throw the blanket over your head, but you're staring at this this person on the screen who's show who's uh, showing a lot of boobage and cleavage, and he's like Good point, and throws the blanket over himself again. Smart kid. <laughs> I like the fact that I had to call him out on it though before he did that. Just, anyway, uh, um, Evelyn, Evelyn Adonis. Evelyn Adonis was the worst part of Fear the Gay Agenda. Any particular the, reason you think so? Just uninformed, clearly pre-recorded. Oh, eh, okay. That that bothers you, but you know more of the minutia of independent wrestling than I do. Yeah. I, honestly, every time she talked. Other than teasing my son, I was on my phone anyway, so I didn't even. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I, I wish I had the ability to zone out when watching the wrestling show because mm-hmm. I would have there. Yeah. All right. Um, what'd you think of the tag match, real quick? Tag match was good, but again, these are four guys who are very good workers, mm-hmm. and thus having a ring to perform in would have really helped. Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of the guys who are traditional workers that end up in like No Holds Barred and some of these other deathmatch places where it's mm-hmm. like essentially everything they're good at doesn't really work in this environment. Um, you do a bunch of flippity doos. Well, guess what? Zero flippity doos here, buddy. <laughs> yes, you're about to get stabbed with a gusset plate. 
Um, it was kind of the opposite of like when Nick Gage showed up for Bloodsport that one year and lost within seconds because he's not a wrestler. He's a deathmatch guy. And he got caught in a submission like right as the bell rang. Yeah, I, like, I think he was like while he was walking to the ring. Like, it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's Nick. Oh God, Nick Gage. He's submitting. It's in the locker room. All right. Uh, we finally come to it. I'm out. Uh, the Murder, death, kill. <laughs> Pizza cutter, di- dominoes. Um, the no ring, last daddy standing, Paro defeats Effie at 16 minutes and 50 seconds. Dude. I remember the reaction on Twitter to this and how happy everybody was that these two gay wrestlers tore it up like Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. They just beat the living piss out of each other. And my son and I kept commenting on how hilarious we thought because Paro came out on that throne and every time one of them went down and they would do the 10 count spot, the other one would sit on the throne. It was effing great. I loved that, it. That was actually the uh, the way to win was to sit on the throne for the 10 okay. count. Gotcha, gotcha. It it it, it added a le- it added a level of pageantry to this I, death match. I appreciated Effie's entrance with with the sports car. I vaguely remember that the one that had like the door that lifted up on the side. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He drove up to the club in the car. Hey, so now we can finally talk about this. Do you want to do the promo, Taro's promo before uh, before the <laughs> match? So I'm not like those straight guys you worry that you usually wrestle who are worried about hurting the gay guy. I'm a homo and I will fucking kill you. <laughs> so good. I need that on a t-shirt. I'm a homo and I'll kill you. <laughs> that was the best, man. Paro is my new favorite wrestler. I want him to the be views, the Royal, I want him to be the next Royal Rumble. The views and opinions of Mike Paro do not necessarily reflect those of the W2M network and or its sponsors. I'm here for it. Um, no, Paro, Paro was great. That it was, it was really, it was really a great promo, though. Like, because basically what he was saying was, um, could, you you went into it after he said this part, but the first thing that he said was, you know, the Effie, you go seeking clout among the among, among the straight wrestlers. You do these shows and you do all of this stuff. You want to be accepted by them and you want to wrestle them. Because then it boosts your popularity, boosts you know, it boosts your um, uh, visibility, and and then he said, and what you don't know is that they'll go easy on you because they're afraid to hurt the gay guy, and that's when he was like, "But I'm a homo, and I'll fucking kill you." And I will. Like, say, I believe it. <laughs> honestly, I I do feel like that is kind of a fair point, though, from Perro's perspective, due to the yeah, fact totally that a fair point. That due to the fact that Effie has made his name in mainstream independent promotions, that wow. under most circumstances and even commentary right. for the show, who by the way, the lead commentator for this show, uh, John John Lequesto, used to work for the WWE. Okay, he was the two hundred five live play by play guy for a while, and nobody saw him. Anyway, your point is, <laughs> poor Lequesto. Uh, th- my point is. Is that um, what was my point? I lost it there. The point is that he's made himself visible through wrestling, straight wrestlers on regular. Yeah, and Pero hasn't gotten the opportunities on those shows, like you were talking about earlier with the big gay mm-hmm. brunch thing. Pero right. hasn't gotten those opportunities that Effie has afforded himself mm-hmm. due to the fact that Effie has gotten these chances with Game Changer, with ICW, with mm-hmm. the IWA Mid South, with AIW, with. 
this, that, and that. Um, I know he did some work with the Good Brothers when they did their talk and shop pay per views. Mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised Game Changer because of Effie that Game Changer Wrestling hasn't used more apparel because Paro's got huge size on him. Paro looks like a wrestler. And like I would take Paro over like half the guys on that. I would take Paro over Joey Janela any day of the week. You how dare you disgrace the good goddamn name of Joey Janela? I'm sorry, J- Jelly Nutella. <laughs> Are you ready to review Jelly Nutella's peanut butter sandwich? Thank you. <laughs> you bye. <laughs> anyway. That's my thoughts on uh, on Fear of the Gay Agenda. It was a fun show to watch. The the main event, I I honestly thought one of them was going to die in there after a while. Like my son and I were not since GCW went to Japan have my son and I hooted and hollered from the television, um, screaming our heads off. I mean, this was you like death matches, man. This is right up there with anything I've seen Akira or uh, John Wayne. Uh, John, John Wayne Murdoch, John Wayne Murdoch, or any of those guys do on the uh, NHB shows. Overall thoughts for these shows: Which show did you prefer? And then I'm guessing you mentioned the Last Daddy Standing match was your favorite of the two. Yeah, I mean, of all the matches that I had to, to wait for, right. the of this, the Last Daddy Standing is far superior to anything else I saw between the two cards. But I think you're right about the presentation. I think Effie's Big Gay Brunch was a better presented show if i you know if i'm I'm having a friend come over to watch some wrestling on wednesday and if i had to if i had to show her one gay show i would show her effie's big gay brunch like it it seems like you'd have to be like a really hardcore lifelong wrestling fan to appreciate no peace underground in general it's more main uh, big gay brunch is more mainstream acceptable than no peace underground is for sure All right, folks, that is our review of Effie's Big Gay Brunch, the first of the collective shows that we'll be reviewing over the course of April and part of May. We've got uh, Jelly Nutella Spring Break uh, this coming Sunday, parts one and two. What? Uh, It'll be myself and Harry Broadhurst here. Maybe. uh, (laughs) The the verklempt Harry Broadhurst. Good word. The mortified Harry Broadhurst. And quite Uh, frankly, I am mortified. And then at the end of the month, we'll be doing blood sport and for the culture because hashtag black folks. And then sometime in the month of what? And then sometime in the month of May, we will be doing the rest of the collective, the best of the collective, if you will. Best so, of the rest. Yes. The best of the rest. Uh, so we're going to look at all the collective shows, bits and pieces of them that uh, we didn't dedicate individual shows to. Look at the bright side. At least there was no IWTV collective this year because that would have been another five or six shows to have to well, sit. Well, there was WrestleCon. I mean, if we really wanted to do like all the independent shit that happened this weekend. WrestleCon was, was for what? High spots? I, uh, I just know it showed up on my fight app. Oh, so WrestleCon was on the fight app too? Huh. It certainly was, Ollie. What's the weather like, Ollie? It's cold! Thanks, Ollie. <laughs> different, different Ollie. Um, oh. <laughs> it's going to rain. <laughs> All right. Speaking of it's going to rain, tomorrow we'll be reviewing Morbius. Wednesday, Lordy Abusement Park. And Thursday, Jesse and Alexis will be joining me to review Pam and Tommy. Saturday night uh, is UFC 273, Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie. I'm supposed to live, live stream, not on YouTube, but live stream everywhere else. Um, depending on how the rest of my personal life is going, I may or may not still be doing that. So it's a mystery, everybody. Wait and see. 
Uh, Harry Broadhurst, what are you doing these days? More to the point, what do you have against YouTube live streams right now? Did I miss something? Yes, uh, I showed half of a Royal Rumble. I showed half of WrestleMania on my TV in the background and got a copyright strike. We are now kicked off of live streaming until July first. Is that all of us? The W two M. The W two M network cannot live. (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Wait a minute now. I got away with it with the Royal Rumble, and then suddenly the WWE got a fucking carrot up its ass about it. I'll have to let Eric know that we will not be going live on YouTube tomorrow with like a game show. He's well aware. (laughs) And I'm guessing I'm going to hear about it tomorrow. I apologize profusely. (laughs) What the fuck else am I supposed to do? (laughs) Oh, life is like a game show. In addition, you can also find me on Thursday nights with Eric with the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report. We will talk more about Kansas's victory in the national championship game, as well as our 2021 Major League Baseball preview as it is opening day of Major League Baseball this Thursday. So we may end up doing some alternate commentary. I've got some stuff for um, for Major League Baseball opening day. Uh, we're re-airing our episodes of Long Road to Ruin for the Bad News Bears trilogy and Major League. Uh, Bad News Bears is overrated. The first two Major League movies are really good. They pushed it too far with the third. That was roughly the conclusion we came to. Hey, Harry Broadhurst, do you listen to music at all? I do, and you know, when I do listen to music, I usually listen to it on Amazon. Well, you know, we're giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. If you click the link in the description of this podcast, get amazonmusic.com slash W2M network. Again, that's get amazonmusic.com slash W2M network for a free 30 day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited. And you too can be like Harry Broadhurst and listen to free music. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that'll be all. Um, real quick, uh, since I didn't get a chance to talk to you during it there, favorite match from WrestleMania Sunday or Saturday? Oh. Saturday. Either one. Because, well, no, no. Sunday, my favorite match was Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. I put my son, my son, sat with me. Surprised at all by that. (laughs) My son and my son and I sat and did alternative commentary together with the Podsman, and we just had a gas of a time. We were crying. We were laughing so hard. To be fair, didn't you and your son go see Jackass Forever together? Sure did. And yeah, and he had the comment of the night on both that and WrestleMania. There was so much penis. I, I saw more of Chris Pontius's ass than I'd like to have. Yes, Chris Pontius, uh, who on the family show with children in the audience, was rubbing his crotch up against Sami Zayn. My favorite part of that mm-hmm. was, uh, I don't know if you caught it, was Pat McAfee's line. Pat, <laughs> you might have had commentary muted because you were doing mm-hmm. the live stream. Yeah. Pat McAfee said, I'd like to say this is the first time I've seen Chris Pontius's ass, but sadly it's not. <laughs> that, that's funny. Actually, him and Austin Theory had the best actual match of the night. Or Sunday. Uh, overall, I think my favorite match from WrestleMania weekend was Bianca and Becky. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus. And then, oh, and did you see the shiner that Bianca had tonight? Holy! Yeah, the guys in my chat have been sh- have been sharing the picture around. And she uh, she burnt the meatloaf and caught one right in the right in the eye. But um, other than that, um, Cody and Seth was really good. Uh, Owens yeah. and uh, Owens and Austin was really good. So and to then- answer your question, it was probably probably. Uh, in- as far as Saturday goes, my favorite match was Cody versus Seth. Sunday, my favorite match, I think the best match of the night. My favorite was Johnny Knoxville, Sami Zayn, because I'm a dope like that. But my, but I think the best actual wrestled match was Pat McAfee and um, Austin Theory. 
and let me give credit where credit is due. Logan Paul was very impressive on Saturday as well. That is also the consensus. He actually pulled off a uh, well-wrestled match, much like Latin uh, Grammy Award-winning artist. Bunny Bad last Bunny. year. Yeah. Yep. Notice the uh, you notice the uh, conjoining factor there. Maybe the most underrated wrestler in the WWE, The Miz. Correct. Uh, let's get him to be Johnny Cage in the next Mortal Kombat movie. I have bets to win. All right, folks. This has been your Insiders TV party tonight. He's big, sexy Harry Broadhurst. I'm the heartbreak kid, Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.